It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Habs are second in the Atlantic, and how did they end up here? And it's Monday. That means three up and three down inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 943 of Locked on Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin, and I'm joined, as always, by Laura Sabat, the active stick. And we want to thank you for making us your first listener today, wherever you get your daily podcast, whether that be Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching us on YouTube, tell all your friends and also follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. And, well, I know I was uh, attending a Halloween party and I could only, you know, check in bits and pieces of the game, but I managed to go back, watch the recap. Gotta say, Canadians being second in the Atlantic, or tied for second in the Atlantic, I guess technically the Leafs are ahead on goal differential, is a wild thing. And I know we are eight games into the season. But Laura, do we at all expect the Canadians to be at this spot, especially after losing Kirby Doc almost immediately? I will say they're getting more wins than I am expecting. <laughs> um, they are overtime or shootout wins, but they're getting more wins than I'm expecting. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this, the game structure a little bit later in today's show, but I am a little bit surprised. I'm impressed with how they're kind of handling things because the, the, the day after the news of the Canadians injury, the Canadians came out so flat, so defeated. Uh, I believe it was against the Minnesota wild that game. They did not, they did not, seem resilient in any way however they are proving themselves to be adaptable uh we're going to talk a little bit about the strengths as well later but i'm finding some things in their game particularly at even strength that i'm liking more and more as time goes on and so again and i also missed the columbus game due to you know work uh it was wild it, we will touch on bits and pieces of that in three up and three down. I know that much. But again, it was okay start, maybe a little bit sluggish, not great. And then a hole that they have put themselves in and then just sheer force of will come back kind of domination. They're like a car in the winter that you're trying to warm up a little bit that it's like you're sitting in there, you're cold, you're miserable. And then the minute the heat and everything regulates and gets to where it needs to be, your engine warms up, you are comfortable, you are cruising until you get to work and then you got to get out of the car. But that's besides the point. We're going to talk about the slow starts a little, but again, it was the same thing. The Jets scored, what, two goals in 33 seconds in the second period there. And, and all I think is, well, this, this run was fun while it lasted, but I looked at how these goals happen and I went, it's just little brain farts. And some of that is there's not a lot of vets on this defense. It is Mike Matheson who left this game is day to day right now. He's traveling with the team to Vegas, which if he's not playing, 
God bless whatever goalie will be in net there because that is going to be rough. Vegas is a very good team again. And the Canadians defense without Mike Matheson is, I don't want to say the worst in the league because the Sharks exist. Sorry, JD. But it's definitely like bottom three without him in there. And that's without David Savard. Even Chris Weidman is out indefinitely. They don't have a veteran on defense. And I, I that is the thing that worries me is that Matheson is playing so much because he's the only veteran. He plays the penalty kill. He plays the power play. He does this. Luckily, the good news is Caden Gooley is back in the lineup. Gustav Lindstrom is the healthy scratch in favor of him. And in his first game back, Gooley had two assists and looked phenomenal. And I don't think it's possible to understate how important he is to giving Mike Matheson even a little bit of a break right now. And a healthy Caden Gooley is great news for the Canadians. I think they kind of need each other in a different way. Like the way that I see it is that uh, Mike Matheson needs Caden Gooley around to take some of the uh, load off him, the workload in terms of uh, not just minutes on the ice, but also assignments. Um, And I think Caden Gooley needs Mike Matheson around to continue helping him build those habits. Like Mike Matheson is the veteran presence that has the, um, like when we say underlying numbers, a lot of the time we're talking about the way players approach a game, the way that they kind of, you know, direct the puck, the way they kind of direct the flow of play. So I think that's something that Caden Gooley can continue to learn from Mike Matheson because Gooley has all the talent that he needs to succeed. It's just the the sort of like the training aspect of it, the the learning, the growing part of it that Mike Matheson can bring to his game. So for me, for my money, like whenever they're both in the lineup, to me, that's the optimal situation for the Montreal Canadiens future. And I'm looking at natural statric in the background right now too. And I'm looking at this game and like I thought the Canadians first period where they had an 18.18 Corsi four percentage, they didn't have the puck at all at five on five next period, 52.5, then 46.67 in the third where it balances out a little bit shots for terrible in the first scoring chances for terrible and then it kind of levels out high danger chances for all jets and then it evens out it is it's just one of those things that if they can kind of corral this they might surprise a lot more teams even with their injuries they're not winning pretty games and i think that should be clear but these are also games that after those two or three goals went in last year that they're just they're full meltdown and just nothing good is coming from it at that point then and it's a resiliency thing This is a team that doesn't want to just roll over, whether that be Martin St. Louis being the world's greatest motivator, or it's just a team that's like, we're fed up with this. We're going to, we're going to do our best here. They have some difficult games coming up here. Vegas is no joke. Like I'm just going to double check the schedule again. Like it's Vegas Vegas on Monday night. And then it's the coyotes, which it's the coyotes, but still, and then there's like four games in the next week. Yeah, so they have Vegas and the Coyotes this upcoming, and then the Blues on Saturday, which up in the air, uh, the Blues got absolutely shellacked by the Canucks during the week here extremely badly. That's a game that they can be there to win. The Lightning, who knows? Their goaltending's been solid without Andre Vasilevsky, and they're still the Lightning. That's going to be a good test game. The Red Wings are on fire to start the season, kind of like the Canadians better than the Canadians have been. And then they play the Bruins after that. And the Bruins are haven't lost in regulation, I believe. It's the Bruins are the, the Bruins. 
the Bruins are the Bruins, which is annoying as hell that they lost one of their greatest players of all time. They're like, we're just going to start the season 7-0-1. You can just deal with that. And it's very frustrating. It's annoying. And the thing is, it's good for the Canadians because they're going to get their adversity here. They probably won't win half of these games, if we're being honest. And if they're competitive in them, I still think we're doing pretty well, all things considered here, without Kirby Doc, without David Savard, potentially Mike Matheson, and kind of an unsettled goalie room, and something we'll talk about later on in the show here. I'm glad they're getting these wins now because there's not going to be many of them in the future, it feels like. They are doing what they need to do right now, but there's still so much. They are putting a good foundation that we can come back. The Jets are a team that can score a lot of goals. That is their thing. They don't play defense, but they can score a lot of goals. Against Columbus, they're a pesky team that has the ability to sneak up on teams, and the Canadians were able to handle that maybe a little bit grossly at first, but came back and did that in that game here. The overarching theme is this year is that if the Canadians are down, we can't count them out anymore. And I think that is a huge confidence booster after this game against the Jets, uh, which we also, you know, didn't mention that Justin Barron scored again, third goal in five games, first guy since Andre Markov, to first defenseman since Andre Markov to do that. Nick Suzuki had the only goal in a shootout of, of course, Nick Suzuki scored in the shootout. They have another power play goal. Sean Monahan got a power play goal in this game. They look, and then Yol Armia scored, which if you were looking for a good, a feel-good kind of thing for that, that's exactly what you want to see. If his name's really out there in you know trade rumors, this was probably a pretty good game to get on the score sheet for. So it is Monday, though, and Monday means three up and three down. And we always start on the downside of things because we want to be able to cover what went wrong in the week or what isn't working in the week. And then we're going to go talk about all the good stuff in our final segment. We're going to get into all of that coming up next, but first it is so hard sometimes to find tickets for the shows that you are looking for. I went to a bills game this past week and searching for last minute tickets is an absolute headache and a nightmare with fees. Is the seat going to be any good? You know, how am I going to do this game time takes all the work out of that with killer last minute deals. All in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game time will take all the guesswork out of buying tickets. They do last minute game tickets or event tickets. You want to go see a show at the theater, you want to go see a concert. Game time has you covered there as well. They do flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for any event in your area, guaranteed. And they have coverage for if you lose your job, you have seat insurance, and you can't make it. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Some terms apply. Again, that is create an account and redeem code Lockdown NHL for $20 off your first order. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cash Back Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cash Back Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. 
Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. We're back here at Locked On Canadians. It is Monday, and everyone knows on Monday that it is time for three up and three down. And if you are new here, welcome. Three up and three down is how we break down the week that was for the Canadians or around the NHL, the good and the bad. And we we touched on this a little bit in the previous segment. The Canadians got to stop starting slow because against the truly elite teams, starting slow will mean losing early because they are not the Jets. They are not the Blue Jackets. All due respect to our friends who cover both of those teams here. They are not going to be in the same stratosphere. A team like the Bruins or Golden Knights are not just going to sit back and then wilt on a lead there because they are elite teams in the NHL right now. And I hate saying that about both of them. If the Canadians can level out some of those and not have it be so lopsided or not give up goals in a very short window of time, I think they're going to start surprising a lot of people here. And that is, again, one of the biggest problems this week. Started slow, but when they got in gear, they are just going for it. And I think that that's good, but also bad at the same time. Well, it's interesting in that in the previous games, their first period was always dominant. And then the second two periods were abysmal. And now they've kind of reversed it. And they're basically squeaking by with an overtime winner or a shootout winner. So it's exactly like you said, against better teams, this is not going to cut it. And it's it's going to be something where like they end up losing 6-1, right? It's going to really take the wind out of their sails right at the beginning. So they need to find a way to be more consistent over longer periods of time. And that comes with being a more experienced team. Yes, the forward group is, you know, a nice balance of veterans and young guys. A lot of it comes from the defense being inexperienced because everything starts in your own end and that they are sometimes scrambling. When the Canadians defense back there is leveled and they're making smart breakout passes, this offense just hums along like a machine. The issue is, That was also when they were all healthy. They are no longer all healthy at this point, which is a problem, but we're not putting injuries on uh, the list this week, at least the down list this week, because, well, that feels unfair. Also, Lane Hudson's back and Lane Hudson rules. So, like, what are you going to do? Also, my down list this week, as everyone knows, I cover the Laval Rocket for Habs Eyes on the Prize pretty regularly. The defense is a problem. They had two games this week. They gave up 12 goals in between those two games. It was 7-4 to four on Friday night and 5 nothing on Saturday night. The young goaltending in, uh, for Jakob Dobish is not getting a lot of help. He is not exactly covering himself in glory as well on some things. He'll make a great difficult save, but like a long-range wrist shot that you think he should stop kind of goes in. And then just... The Rocket can't stay out of the box, and when they can't stay out of the box, they surrender power play goals. This sounds familiar. I know. I've also watched the Montreal Canadiens for the last three or four seasons at this point, and the veterans are like, we have to do better on that team. That is the silver lining I'm taking out of this, is that they know. know. They they know. And I know a lot of people are going to be freaking out like, oh, my God, you know, the goalie prospect isn't playing well. Oh, my God, you know, they're getting blown out in games. This is what happened last year a little bit. It took uh, about a month for the Rocket to kind of click into the proper gear. They had games where they couldn't score goals, couldn't stop goals last year. 
And this year it kind of feels a little bit more like it's going to be that again, which is unfortunate because it looked like they had a lot of promise starting the season here, but they've played Abbotsford, a tough team, Rochester, who's very good and Syracuse, who's one of their boogie teams and always has been, but they, they got to fix things a little bit here. They got to, you know, the veterans who are on that defense. So Toby Paquette, Bisson, uh, Nicolas Baudin, if he's in the lineup, et cetera, have to be able to pull their weight better. Guys like Matthias Norlinder and Jaden Struble and Logan Mayu have been doing the best they can, but without veterans to kind of help guide everything through here, it, it it's like we've seen at the NHL level. It becomes a bit chaotic, and then the goalies suffer for that. Um, I know I have talked a lot on this because the AHL is my baby. Laura, it's October 29th when we're recording this. It's far too early to pull the shoot on panicking and start panicking about the AHL season, correct? Absolutely correct. And they're going to figure it out. Um, it's going to be, you know, the AHL is kind of a learning league for the Montreal Canadiens at this point, right? So they're going to figure it out. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's a lot of young defensemen that can learn a lot there. And I I don't know if you had anything else on the down list, but I didn't get to mention this because I wasn't on the Thursday show due to uh, being at the Buffalo Bills game. The officiating this week has been... Boy, has it been an experience. I was following along with the Habs and Blue Jackets game via Twitter while I was at the stadium, just checking in on things, uh, much to Carly's chagrin because I need to be on my phone less as an adult, which is true. Uh, A couple of hits from behind that weren't called a penalty, but they immediately called any kind of even up on it uh, in a fight. Uh, The first one where Arbor Jack, I got hit face first into the boards, Okay, boarding penalty, fighting major, but they also gave him a roughing penalty in the middle there too to even this up for some for some reason. I don't know why. And then later on in the game, not even later on, like five minutes later, Alex Newhook gets run from behind and they don't call anything on that. They call, I want to say, another roughing penalty afterwards. I think it was Tanner Pearson who stepped in that time. And it's one of the more obvious ones that you can tell when somebody's being hit from behind especially a dude the size of Arbor Jack guy. Like what are we doing here at this point that just call the major penalty here? It's if you hit someone from behind face first or head first into the boards, just make it a major penalty. You can review it afterwards. And if it's not a major, it's not a major, but I don't understand how things ended up even when things like this are happening. And they wonder why games get out of control and more fights happen And when you just let players run around and do things like that, that's why. And it's a problem. We've talked a lot about how, you know, NHL officials don't hate your team. They're just bad at it. This year with the amount of penalty minutes the Canadians have gotten, uh, it's starting to feel a little bit personal for some reason. Uh, Laura, you had a chance to watch this and talk with uh, Jay a little bit closer about this. I'm not crazy that the officiating this week is, at least in Canadians games, has been uh, rough or a rough around the edges to say the least. I think it's been inconsistent is that's the nicest way to put it. It's been inconsistent. (laughs) Sometimes it's been inconsistent with what we expect based on the law, the rules. Uh, But it was, I think the officials let that Canadians Columbus game go out of hand. And a lot of times when you do that, you're not going to be able to rein it back in without making some really questionable decisions, right? And that's that's exactly what happened. They let it get out of control, and then they were just doing anything and everything and scrambling and really not making consistent decisions. 
and I think that's the thing here is that it's if you don't police the game enough, it gets out of control where you have to start over policing the game. And it's so there, I admit it is hard to find a balance sometimes. Sometimes, you know, if you call the first thing that's going to set off a powder keg, good. You kind of can quell it there. But the minute Jack, I got run from behind and they evened it up on there that I went, okay, this is going to get bad now. And then you let new hook get hit. They're lucky it didn't spiral worse because we've seen games like that one. There was a random Panthers game a few years ago. Every now and then there's just a game that everybody is angry for some reason that I don't fully understand. You have to keep control of it. And that doesn't mean calling too many penalties. It means calling the right penalties. Because if you keep sending one team to the box, whether they deserve it or not, like there have been a lot of flops this year. There have been a lot of missed calls, sticks that didn't actually hit people, hooks that weren't hooks. Teams get angry. If you're just calling everything and letting other stuff go, it's a powder keg. And the officials have just not done a good job this year. They're, I watched the end of the Canucks-Rangers game on Saturday night, and there was an egregious missed penalty in overtime that resulted in the game-winning goal for the Rangers over the Canucks. It's bad. Like, the officiating this year around the league has been suspect, to say the least. It's on my down list, probably not for the last time this year. But I, I missed the chance to talk about this during the week when it was still relevant to the game that they were playing. So we're going to move on, though. We are done being pessimistic. We are moving into the land of optimism, sunshine, uh, and goaltenders. Rainbows. And rainbows, goaltenders from the east coast of Canada and on. And that's all coming up next. But today's show is also brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you think about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. It's the middle of the NFL season. It's the middle of hockey season. The NBA is up there. And the app is so easy to use. You can bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more, and get paid out instantly in an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and more with FanDuel, the official betting partner of the NFL, and us here at Locked On. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And as always, we here at Lockdown Canadians encourage you to please bet responsibly anytime that you are betting on sports. It is the end of our Monday episode. Uh, if my voice sounds a little bit rough, it's we had a Halloween party and I had a Bills game within 36 hours of each other. My voice is completely gone at this point. But you're not here for that. You're here for the up of the three up and three down this week. And let me tell you, Laura, I'm going to, I'm going to, we have some. Good, fun names kind of tucked in the up list here. I want to start with Jake Allen, to whom I owe an apology after the Leafs game. Jake Allen has now put together three quality starts, went over the Sabres. He didn't beat the Blue Jackets. That belonged to Montembeau, I believe. Uh, Caden Primo got hung out to try a little bit against the Devils, but he had another good game here against uh, the Jets on Saturday where he kind of overcame things, was calm, composed, where he needed to be. 
on everything with their the three goals, it's hard to blame him on anything with the way that one of them was a penalty shot and two of them were just broken down defensive coverage in his zone. I got to ask, I know Montembeau hasn't been bad this year, but is Jake Allen stealing the starting spot back right now? I think it's possible. I also feel like he knows, like he's one of those players that's been around long enough to know when he needs to be better. Um, and it seems like he's kind of, you know, worked on that a little bit because we know that he, or we always knew that he had a better showing than what we saw against Toronto. We always knew that. It's just that it it was the wrong time for that to happen, if that makes sense. Like the Canadians were still trying to figure out like which two goalies they're going to keep and what to do with the other ones. I think Montembeau is still going to be solid. I don't think that we have to worry about that. Like, I don't think that he's, you know, he, his game is going to change that much from the previous year, but I think that Jake Allen is trying to get himself back into that conversation and he's like, he kind of understands that he's the guy right now in terms of the veteran presence, in terms of the person who needs to be more reliable, whether it is to kind of, you know, foster Caden Primo or Samuel Montembeau, like he needs to be that person. Or if it's just to get to get himself to another team where he's going to have more of a role or he's going to have an opportunity to go to the playoffs. And I'm looking, I have the Canadians goaltending stats pulled up behind me here. Uh, Jake Allen has played four games. He's 3-0-0-1. He had that overtime loss or shootout loss against Toronto. 263 goals against, 930 save percentage. That's pretty really, damn good. Really, really good. Uh, Samuel Montembeau has played three games. He's 2-1, 329 goals against, 901 save percentage. Also, not terrible. I'm not including Kane Primo, who had one game where I thought he didn't even play poorly. It's just the Devils were that much of a better team. It feels weird that I'm not super worried about the goaltending, but this goes hand in hand with what we talked about before. They start slowly. The goaltenders this year right now are bouncing back. That if they are, if they have a game where they're not able to kind of keep them in it a little bit to kind of staunch the bleeding, then maybe things will get a little bit uglier. But right now, I don't think Jake Allen's going to stay at a 930 forever. If that regresses down to 910, 9-11 still, I think he becomes a very valuable trade asset. But right now, it's good that they can just alternate these guys, especially with the schedule coming up here. I'm curious to see who starts against Vegas and who starts against the Coyotes. I imagine it'll probably be Montembeau and then Allen, uh, just to see what they got there. And then next week, maybe rotate Primo in again, and we'll see. Uh, maybe he plays against the Blues, or there's not exactly an easy game in there, but I think there's an opportunity for him as well. Uh, also on the up list this week, uh, Cole Caulfield. Come on. How how can I not put Cole Caulfield on this list? He has become the fastest player to six overtime goals in Montreal Canadiens history, and just dude's electric. It he he is just absolutely on fire. He is that guy for this team, and God, it warms my heart to see that when Cole Caulfield is on it. Someone asked in our Slack chat, is has is Cole Caulfield the most exciting Canadians player since P.K. Subban? I really think that – I don't think it's understating to be like, that is true. When he has the puck in overtime, the crowd is buzzing. Just like they did whenever they saw P.K. Subban winding up for that slap shot. There was a visible buzz in that building. He's well on his way to 50 goals, 40 goals at the very least, and he's on my up list this week because I can't ignore – just how good Cole Caulfield has been this year. I think Jay said it best. Um, 
after the game, he literally was like, well, it's Cole Caulfield. What are you going to do about it? And I think that's true. It's Cole Caulfield. What are you going to do about it? Opposing teams. Like he's so good. He's truly, he's so fun to watch. It's just watching him brings joy. Like he loves playing hockey and he makes us love watching hockey. And the Canadians haven't had that player in quite some time. And I feel like no matter what happens with this team, and people keep trying to explain and prove to us that Cole Caulfield is not the real deal. How much more do you want? I was going to say, like, and people are like, well, Nick Suzuki's not scoring. Nick Suzuki has seven points in eight games. He's fine. Like, the Canadians team is never a team like Toronto or a Tampa where it is. Here is the peak of everything where these guys get 90 to 100 points a season. It's a bunch of dudes who are, Caulfield might have 40 goals and, like, 20 assists and end up with 60 points. And Suzuki might cap out at 75 to 80 points with, like, a 35 40 split there somewhere. That's okay. Because also guys like Sean Monahan are stepping up. Like it's Cole Caulfield. What are you going to do about it? You shouldn't be worried about these guys on here. Yeah. The lines need shuffling. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit this week. Once they get some practice time in, but not right now, because that's not important. What is important is we're doing three up and three down. And we love Cole Caulfield on this podcast. And I guess my last one, I'm going to go dip back into the rocket for this. Leah Anderson has been phenomenal for the Lavelle Rocket this year. When they've needed a big goal, Leah Anderson has been there for that. And if they need a guy to fill in in the bottom six in Montreal, Leah, I, I know people want to see Joshua Waugh. I absolutely know and understand that. But the bottom six is not a place for Joshua Waugh. Exactly. I do like Joshua Waugh. I think when they have a healthy, you know, center core there, that a Waugh with. Uh, you know, Dvorak and somebody else can maybe be a very fun line. But for right now, let him stay there. Leah Sanderson, I think, could be a really good, like, energy addition kind of person to that bottom six. He's got some offensive upside there. And he's been just very good for the Rocket. He's been scoring goals for them when they have mattered. Uh, even if they can't stop letting them in, he's still doing exactly what he was brought into. And that was to start putting up points and helping guide this offense and he's doing so with aplomb right now. I, I mean, I can't say more than that. And it's really nice for the Canadians to just have options. We don't say, want Lord, them to need them. <laughs> do you have anyone else? Yes. Do you have anyone else on your up list this week? Because I know um, I'm just kind of taking this over. No, no. I did want to say, like, real quick that, like, Nick Suzuki, you know, the concerns about him were overblown. Wow. Shocking. What a change <laughs> of pace for the Montreal Canadiens fan base that the concerns about Nick Suzuki might have been overblown. Who would have guessed... Anyways, not us because we are we love you all dearly, and I promise I don't mean that meanly. But this ha- we do this every year. We'll talk about Slavkovsky at another time, but that's gonna wrap up this show today. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at lo underscore Canadians. You can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. Follow Laura at the Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matla. It's going to be a late week this week. We've got some special ideas for those late night recaps for y'all. We will be back to preview the game on our Monday recording and everything else. And until then, we will see you all next time.
Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.